and welcome to this week's episode of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, and coming off a 33-19 victory over Fort Hayes State at home in Maryville, which was um, you know, the, the last two trips to Maryville, Hayes had won, so it was a good uh, good job and in, in, in a, a good performance. I think you, you'd you give uh, the Bearcats a solid B, you know, on, on, on all aspects of the game. The run game, maybe go even a little bit higher, B plus, A minus, something like that. Not the perfect game, but ultimately, I talked a little bit about this last week, and, and you know, game one, you just got to win. It doesn't have to be pretty. You just got to get it done. And that was exactly what the Bearcats did and uh, and did what they needed to do. You know, they got off to kind of a slow start. It was seven to, or 12 to seven with eight minutes left in the second quarter. And then the Bearcats went on a run of 26 unanswered points, including 13 in a row before halftime. Some turnovers aided and, and really Braden Wright came in and was the one that kind of sparked the Bearcat offense, a 50 yard quarterback draw, which was uh, which was really good. Um, both quarterbacks played pretty well. That was the thing I think that um, the naysayers, you know, the the people that are very critical of the two quarterback system, I think if they would have alternated each possession, which Coach Wright said wasn't going to happen anyway, you know, then maybe ah, who you guys can't really get into rhythms. But what they allowed do each quarterback to do is to get into a rhythm. And I think they did when Mikey, when the offense, he didn't necessarily struggle. He you know, as efficient as he always is, 14 of 18, although yardage was a little bit low. We're going to nitpick because that's what we do as Bearcat fans, right? I think the passing game, um, you know, maybe not enough deep shots, although I tell you what, um, you know, Braden threw a couple of really nice passes, one that was dropped for a touchdown and then the other one to Jamar Moya. The best pass that Mikey threw was probably his touchdown pass to Trayvon Alexander, Um you know, I mean, man, he he threw the thing on a rope, and I was really impressed with uh, with the speed and how hard he threw that ball. He just threw a laser in there. That was good. The running backs, I mean, hey, uh, obviously Braden, you know, and the two quarterback draws did uh, did really well. Um, we you know we had Jamar Moya, who uh, you know led the team in receptions, had 69 yards rushing and a touchdown, and, and that receiving touchdown. Um, Kevin Dominique played well, though he fumbled late. That seems to be, you know, something, again, if we're nitpicking, that's possibly concerning, but 86 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he, you know, looked um, looked the part. If we got a back that's going to run over people, he looks like the guy that's probably going to do it. You know, nine different receivers was really impressive. I said at some point in the game, um, man, it just seems like we've thrown the ball to a lot of different receivers, and I, I think that's probably going to be what happens is different guys are going to step up. I really like Trayvon, Cole Hembro. I think both of those guys, Jamar Moyo is going to get a lot of looks, but I think it could be some different receivers maybe take some turns this year um, with with some big games. Chance Fuller looked pretty good for Hayes, um, you know, and, and obviously they kind of had a game plan of throwing the ball quick, kind of neutralize the pass rush a little bit. But once the second half hit, really once, um, you know, we got kind of close to halftime, Coach Wright, and he talked about it post-game, made some adjustments, and the defense pretty much took care of business from there. Hayes had the ball a lot in the fourth quarter. The offense kind of struggled a little bit to run the clock out. But, uh, you know, for the most part, pretty good win. I mean, I think you could see the Bearcats were the better team and played better. And a couple of MIAA players of the week, Zach Howard with his three sacks, which climbs him up in the, uh, you know, career uh, sack totals. 
which is is pretty nice for him. And uh, got to see the belly shake, the uh, the truffle shuffle. We got to see that, um, you know, three different times. That w- that was pretty good. And uh, how about Cole Lamel? Congrats to that kid. You know, and he was you know somebody that that. Um, you know, got criticism, did not have the kind of season that he or anybody else wanted him to last year. And what a job that he did coming out, kicking both fugles. He's special teams co-player of the week and uh, all props. Love to see that. That, you know, that's what this is all about, right? Guys getting chances and overcoming things. That was, that was really cool. Defensively, didn't, didn't talk about Charles Gaddy, had a couple of forced fumbles, and uh, looked pretty good and then got hurt. How about Shane Fredrickson, though? In the second half, he was all over the place. And uh, um, that was just really, really good. You know, the the offensive line didn't give up any sacks, blocked really well in the running game. I mean, they allowed some pressures and things, but having a couple of mobile quarterbacks certainly uh, certainly helps things, takes a little bit of pressure off them. But um, overall, again, you know, I think if, if you're grading it, give it a solid B. All that matters, it doesn't matter if it's an F, as long as the score is higher. And I think the perfect opponent for the Bearcats this week is Lincoln. Get to work on some things. It should get plenty of reps for a lot of different guys and kind of work on the passing game and things. And really, you know, the schedule at the early part of the season, I, I talked about it last week, I think is is very, um, you know, is, is very much in the Bearcats' favor. Then you get Central Missouri at home. You go to Edmond. We'll see what Central Oklahoma looks like, but a disaster for them in, in St. Joe, a 35 nothing loss to Missouri Western, not the way AD wanted to start things out down there. Um, I think that team will definitely get better, but, you know, the Bearcats really, you you know, may, maybe that game October 1st against Missouri Western starts to look like a tougher game. But here's what I think. Week one, we never know what the heck's going to happen, right, in the MIAA. And, and last year was a crazy year with Central, obviously, and Hayes both kind of slipping down a lot lower than than we thought they would be. Pitt maybe higher. Carney really taking that step up. Washburn up there as well. But even as we went into week two last year, um, you know, it was uh, we still didn't know. I think it was three, four, five weeks in before we really started to get a sense of of who everybody was last season. You're, of course, you were coming off COVID and all of that. But I think. Even this year, I don't know. You know how how much do you put into the week one performances of of a Nebraska Kearney and a Pitt who were expected to win by much more than they did, or a Central Oklahoma? Is you know is the season over before it starts? No, I think you know is we always kind of do put a little more uh, emphasis on that first game because it's the only thing we have to look at at this point. Even this week, I don't know what exactly is going to get decided, but some tough games. Of course, we'll have the Bearcats, according to Eli, coming up. Also, this week's player interview center Mitch Goff and uh, John Dykstra from the Forum joins me as well, and Trevor Hahn from the Jefferson City Tribune and a Men Missouri Goal Lines podcast. So he's the beat writer and covers the Lincoln Blue Tigers. So all of that is coming up. So we'll take a timeout. My chat with John Dykstra next here on Bleeding Green. Hi, this is Xavier Oman, former Northwest Bearcat. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat. 
and welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Time to talk some Bearcat football and break down the the uh, thirty three to nineteen victory over Hayes from this past Thursday. And uh, joining me, sports editor from the Maryville Forum, John Dykstra, coming on. And and John, as always, appreciate you taking some time for me. I, I kind of want to get your thoughts. I mean, it was it was kind of an interesting game. Um, and you know, Northwest found themselves you know down midway through the second quarter and you know, kind of a flurry of points that helped, but, but what are, what were kind of some of your overall thoughts from, from this win over Hayes? Well, the offense got off to a, a fast start with Mike Owensy out there that first, first drive, obviously they had the fumble recovery, but they were able to go right down the field and punch it in. And then it got a little stagnant. And uh, I think coach Sturdy and coach Rich Wright have been telling us all, all off season about the two quarterback system. And, and if it's getting stagnant like that, that's when they can bring in a change of pace. And Hey, it worked out pretty well. Braden Wright comes in and, uh, and leads a field goal drive, which could have been a touchdown drive, a drop pass in the back of the end zone, um, made that three instead of seven. Uh, and then the next drive leads a touchdown drive and then, runs a one minute throughout the end of the half to get a field goal out of it. So uh really they they didn't stop him and that that little uh part of the game there gave gave the Bearcats a, a lead going into half, which obviously they wanted and then then they come back out with Hoency in the second half and and Mike doesn't doesn't miss a beat. He uh he does the exact same thing and and gets down touchdown and and before you know it the game's essentially over uh there so i think uh as far as the big question marks of the season going in uh you and i both talked about them before the two quarterback system and kicker and uh cole lamo was two for two um on field goals he missed one extra point off the off the upright but other than that uh, made his other ones and uh and then Mike and Braden both played both played great. So uh I think as far as a week one game and answering the questions we had going into the season, uh they get an A plus for that. Yeah. Well and and let's talk about quarterbacks first because Braden, I think kind of the key play was that fifty yard quarterback draw that ends up, you know, that, yeah. that right when he comes into the game. I mean, that just kind of added a spark. It, it wasn't like Mikey was playing poorly. You know, he was 14 of 18 passing. That's pretty good. You know, maybe the yards per completion and attempt for both quarterbacks. I think, you know, if we can nitpick that and say maybe that should have been better. But, you know, they, you know, there's a couple of, of, of drives where or we're punting. And of course, then they have the long, the long punt return. They punch it in, make it 12 7. I think that was such a key moment, that quarterback draw, and also a key drive that kind of got, you know, kind of helped the defense a little bit and, uh, and, and got this team right back in the game. And, and who would have thought it, right? You know, as, as for as much, I mean, we talked about it here a lot, as, as much as criticism as, as Braden's got, as much as anybody. Um, has in, in recent memory to come in and kind of be the spark. And and then you talk about Cole Lamel, you know, a guy who, who got his fair share of criticism last year comes in and and looks like our stud kicker banging through long field goals, and they were pretty kicks. I think a lot of his kicks last year maybe maybe weren't those nice end-over-end kicks. These were, and I think that's that's a big thing. I think that's the thing we saw um, in the in the scrimmage as well was, was – 
his kicks looked better, although maybe he was kind of forced into that, do some injuries to the other guys. But uh, yeah, I mean, those are a couple of areas that, yeah, I think you, you give give an A+. plus. Yeah, and it's it was hard not to feel good for both those kids after the game. I mean, we went into the post-game uh, press conference, and it was Braden Wright, Cole Lamor, and, uh, and Zach Howard. And uh, and Zach and Cole were, I mean, Braden's kind of his, his normal stoic self when getting asked about himself. But you could just tell those other two were just so happy for for what he was able to show and what he was able to do. And, and Zach Howard in my, in my story this week, Zach gave a, a really nice quote about what, what Braden means to the team as, as a leader and a person. And that was, it was just kind of cool to see that work out for him. And uh, obviously quarterback rotation is going to continue. And so Bearcat fans, I'm sure it'll be a week by week thing, whether, whether we're feeling good about that or, or not, but um, it it was a good start to it. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and even running back, you know, we got to see, you know, the thing that you know, I went up and counted it after the game. I think it was nine different receivers caught a pass, which yeah. really wasn't that shocking. But even you know, running backs, kind of Kevin Dominique came in, a transfer. He's kind of been here, there, and everywhere um, on his his career to to uh, to be in a being a Bearcat now, and and he. Uh, you know, came in. I think he he looked really, really good. You know, Jamar had a really nice run. He led the team in receiving, which I think that's probably what we can see from him. He's that kind of guy. But as far as you know, just a guy to come in, hand the ball to Dominique. The, obviously, the fumble at the end of the game wasn't ideal, but um, you know that kind of puts a little bit of blemish on that performance. But other than that, I mean, I I thought he he uh, especially. I don't know that he got a carry on the first two or three drives, but he he. I thought he. Um, you know, accounted himself very well. Yeah, I feel like what we've been hearing from uh, from the reports from camp and everything kind of showed itself out with Kevin Dominique. Uh, he was dominant when uh, when he was in there. He was he was running over people and and showed a little bit of speed too for a big back. Like he looked great. And then his night ends with the fumble, which is which is a tough way to to do it but ball security was his main thing and what you really want out of a a big powerful back like that so um that'll be interesting to see how it develops that's i'm guessing why he wasn't higher on the depth chart than he is although he led the team in carries this week um so that's uh yeah he'll be interesting to see develop jamar moria had a really good game obviously um i thought Jaden brady did some good things in there tank young got his share of carries. That was my question is who surely they can't keep four backs in there and give them all, all the workload. And they did pretty well. They, they all got their carries. Obviously Braden had a good night rushing the ball. Mike ran it well a few times. So um, yeah, that rushing, rushing game was dominant. And then when you look at what the defense did on the other side, it makes it even more, more of a, uh, dominant performance when you look at how they shut down Hayes's running game yeah well absolutely it was 13 net yards but even if you take away all the, those five sacks they still only ran for 56 yards and I mean Adrian Soto's a pretty good back um you know yeah. he did get seven catches but you know again I mean for the most part along of of uh 
you know, 20 yards. Anytime Hayes did anything, um, it was either a short field like, you know, the 11-yard drive they had. But, but be, you know, if you throw that drive out, they didn't score on another drive that wasn't over 10 plays. And I think, yeah, you know, you, okay, you know, Chance Fuller threw for 309 yards, but he had to throw 61 passes to get there. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I thought overall, um, you know, the, the defense played, played pretty well. I know Chance Fuller's had some huge games in the past too, but that's the best I've personally seen him play live. He was that first half was really good from Chance. Um, so for the Bearcats to be able to settle down and and really shut them down after that was uh, was quite an accomplishment. And uh, yeah, he was he was picking them apart with those those short passing. Uh, attempts there and and something i appreciate about rich is he'll get pretty honest and technical sometimes post game with uh with how he he talks about how they adjusted and he said they had to make three adjustments to to chance throughout the game there and it ended up being their check system that paid off they started out more zone stuff and then uh went to man coverage and then it ended up being the check system that they uh they went with and uh that was finally able to slow down the passing game and it helped too that they made him so one dimension all that that zach howard and the guys up front could kind of pen their ears back and just just go after fuller back there and uh yeah five sacks three for howard is the the evidence of uh that paying off yeah and i mean zach just looked like an absolute man i mean the what he was doing and i will say though possibly the most impressive sack was uh um or or pass rush was jake fisher of course he had a sack and he's a guy who kind of rotated in last year although there wasn't a lot of rotating we saw that a lot more and you know richard said that preseason and that, that's kind of what we figured with so many young guys in that, that aren't named zach howard and elijah green but um jake fisher had one where he he uh knocked over the tackle I think the guard, they double teamed him. He he gets away from the double team and then throws away the running back. And he's not a big guy. He's not like a, like a Zach Howard, but I thought that was really impressive. And there, I mean, really overall, I mean, Kobe Claiborne and, and Keaton Ricky, I mean, a lot, you know, Walker Graves got a, a decent amount of playing time as well. Pretty much everybody that played on that D line, even Elijah green, I think he only had a tackle, but I mean, he was, practically getting getting tackled and taken down a lot quite a bit you know we we know that holding especially against us especially in the miaa isn't i don't think there was a holding flag the entire game on maybe that wasn't on a kickoff return or something but uh, but overall i thought especially once they settled in and kind of made you know made some of those adjustments or because early on it seemed like they weren't getting any pressure but chance fuller it was you know, within three seconds, he was getting the ball out. And I think Hayes, you know, obviously had a pretty good game plan. But as as we see, you know, once, you know, allow Coach Wright to make some adjustments and things, and the defense really settled, especially in the defensive line with so many young guys and, and played really well. Yeah, I, I, the D-line, they rotated through. Uh, Keaton Ritchie was really good. Colby Claiborne. A lot of those guys just showed, showed flashes that you want to see. Um, I know Zach had three sacks, and this, this is probably still wrong, but the because uh, it probably obviously was probably him for player of the game. But the guy on defense I was most impressed with was Isaac Volstead. Yes. Um Isaac was everywhere in that game. He had a 
a diving pass breakup at one point that was really good. He had at least one tackle for the loss, maybe a couple. Led the team in tackles. Um, I mean, I don't think that was a surprise to anybody that he's really good. But seeing him in a in a full time Mike backer role there was uh, really impressive. And uh, I thought I thought as we kind of moved back through the defense here, the the linebackers were spectacular. Sam Phillips didn't put up the the numbers maybe, but he was he was great as usual. And, and then those other guys too, whether it be Dumas or anybody else that rotated in, was were solid too. That that Rich said in the preseason that that was going to be the strength of the defense, and it it looked like it on Thursday night. Yeah, well, Isaac's closing speed on the ball. I think there was a play, and it, it might have even been a sack or a tackle for a loss, where, where, or it might have just been a short gain where Chance Fuller was kind of getting out. It seemed like he wasn't even in, you know, my periphery, and then all of a sudden he's making the tackle, and he did that several times. Like his, and and I guess that's something maybe that. Um, you know, we, we assume he's going to be good. He's a Volstead. We've got to see him, you know, in, in 19, he, he started a little bit and kind of worked his way in and, and played some last year as well. But man, I, I just felt like he, um, you know, he really shown, especially his speed. I mean, if, if I'm looking at anything, his speed to close onto the ball was, was the thing that was, was like, wow. On that play, I was standing next to a former player on the sideline, uh, I looked over to him. I said, "Man, you don't see that play a lot of times out out of a linebacker." And he just told me, "Isaac's that dude. Like that's that's what he does. They've been seeing it forever." So uh, it was, uh, yeah. Well, I guess we can expect more out of more of those type of plays. Which, if he provides more of those type of plays, he's going to have a special season this year. Yeah, well, well, let's just kind of continue through that defense. We'll talk about the secondary. I mean, again, no play over 20 yards. I think that's a win. I mean, they, yeah, there were some completions and things, but once they kind of made some adjustments, um, you know, I mean, you know, our, I think the corners, you know, Khalil, yeah, we we kind of know what to expect of him. Trayvon had had an okay day, game, didn't have a great game, but uh, but had a you know a pass breakup or two. But safety, I mean, Rhett Jordan, he's a guy that the practice that I came up and watched, he was the one guy in the secondary that I was the most impressed with. But not only that, is, is Charles Gaddy came in, obviously the two forced fumbles, then he has to be carried off the field, and then Shane Fredrickson, who's a guy, I'll be honest, I didn't even know. I didn't even know him. I don't remember seeing seeing him much or anything or hearing much about him. But holy smokes, I mean, he was everywhere in that second half, and I think he's the guy. He, he in that secondary that you just kind of came away with. Wow, one, where did this kid come from? And two, um, you know, for being such a young guy, not really having much game experience. I mean, I thought he was the the guy in the second half, especially that really shown. Yeah, no, that's. Kind of uh, what I was saying earlier about Rich switching the coverages back there and uh, going to that that check system with the two split safeties. I think once Gaddy went out, that's they kind of felt like they had to do that with uh, Fredrickson and and Jordan in there, and it worked. It worked great. Um, you mentioned no big plays, so they dropped they dropped the touchdown that would have been a big play. That's and true. after the and. Uh, Brandon Clayton was standing near me again on the sideline, and he uh, he he was getting after the safety a little bit. It looks like on that play, like Khalil's the one that gets beat, but I think they were supposed to hand it off based on uh, 
based on Coach Clayton's reaction to it. So I think the safeties had some they had some moments early where they struggled, but man, they got they went into it quick. And another part of that post game presser we had is uh, Braden right right at the end. He could tell we were running out of questions, so uh, he uh, he mentioned he talked about Rhett Jordan specifically and just what what it means to have that that guy doing what he's doing. He got a scholarship the, right before the game, which. Obviously, that's a big – the week before the game, uh, that's a big, big deal. And then he came out and played the way he did. So, uh, no, those guys look good. Hopefully, um, Gady's injury certainly looked bad, but hopefully it's not, not as bad as it looks um, because he he was phenomenal in that first half. He was everywhere, forcing that fumble in the first possession and – and just making making great plays. So hopefully they get him back. Um, but if not, Fredrickson and, and Jordan showed a lot. Um, so I think there's a lot to be to be excited about with uh, with the young guys in the secondary. Yeah. Well, and overall, I think you know, first game, you know, is you got to one, especially you know, if you're going against a team like his, you just got to win which the Bearcats did that semi-comfortably, although, you know, towards the end, you know, Hayes kind of scored the touchdown in the fourth quarter, had a chance to maybe maybe score some more. But overall, you come away with the win. There's lots of positives. I think there's plenty of things to work on. I'm sure they'll be busy um, at practice this week. But I think the perfect week to opponent is who they have this week is Lincoln because you talk about, you know, one, again, if we're nitpicking, you know, the, the passing game, there really wasn't opportunities to really throw it deep. And so, um, you know, the they didn't really need to, you know, rushing for 249 yards. But, you know, the the line gave up some pressures. They didn't give up any sacks, which is great, considering you only have one guy returning from last season. But, you know, the, I think the perfect team to work on all of the things, offensively, defensively, whatever, is Lincoln. Although... You know, I, I think maybe, you know, 45 to three is still a blowout, but it's closer than the game that I predicted it to be. I don't know if that's a first week thing or or Washburn calling off the dogs or whatever it was. I still expect, you know, the, the backups to get plenty of playing time in the second half of this game. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, Samantha's win off or a whole ton of yards in that game. James Letcher Jr. for Washburn. Um, all those guys went off in the passing game. So it'll be interesting to see if if Northwest tries to tries to go to that early uh, when the game is still uh, fairly tight, um, or if they just try to get that run game established, which uh, was successful, but they always obviously want to get more confidence for those backs. So um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the game plan is going into Lincoln. Um, and yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the one thing you don't want, we just mentioned Charles Gady getting hurt. Mm-hmm. You don't want any injuries like that in this game. So I would, if, if it gets out of hand early, I would expect that they are fairly comfortable with, with guys and you could see a lot of the, uh, the backup quarterbacks and, and things like that in this game, which, which are interesting too, because you want to get a look at those guys for the future. But, um, 
yeah, Lincoln Lincoln showed maybe a little bit against Washburn, but um, still not not a whole lot that makes me think this game's going to be very close for very long. Um, I will say Xavier Vaughn had a pretty good debut, threw for some yards, was a leading rusher, um, did a little bit of things on offense. So maybe that's some hope that when Lincoln's not playing the, the cream of the crop in the MIAA, which Northwest certainly is part of that group, and uh, I think Washburn is too, uh, then maybe they can they can put up some points. But with the way Northwest defense is playing right now, I don't see them putting up points against the uh, the starting group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same same with that. Well, John, as always, man, I appreciate you, and, and I know we'll be talking uh, later on this season and, and wish you safe travels as you uh, head down to Jeff City this weekend. Sounds good. I appreciate it, Matt. We'll talk to you later. There you go, John Dykstra from the Maryville Foreman. We didn't talk a lot about it in that, and I haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, so he got some spectacular audio and great interviews and sound bites after the game. And um, anyway, definitely go check that out and go check out his article uh, there as well. Well, let's take a time out before we talk about the Lincoln Blue Tigers. It's time for the player interview. That's next. Mitch Goff, Bearcat Center, number 60, right after this on Bleeding Green. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green and joined by this week's player interview. It's number 60, center Mitch Goff. And Mitch, man, thanks so much for taking some time and uh, coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks a lot for having me. Well, so, you know, you're from from up around Des Moines. And what did you, I mean, what was growing up like for you? What did, what did you like to do for fun? You know, I'm talking before, we'll get to your high school days, but like as you were younger, did you play lots of sports and things like that? Yeah, I, I actually grew up um, always wanting to be a baseball player, uh, believe it or not. I I played a lot of travel, uh, youth baseball, um, you know, traveled a lot around uh, the Midwest and uh, played played a lot of baseball. Um, I always thought going into going into college, that's what I would do, uh, believe it or not. So um, but other than sports, uh, we got a, a swimming pool when I was around middle school age. Uh, so I, you know, I enjoyed that time spending outside with my family, you know, swimming and whatnot. Um, other than that, grandparents, you know, going over, hanging out, playing cards. My grandma was kind of the card queen. Uh, but was, yeah, just. Was she, did she play like pitch or, or what did she like to play? Uh, we played speed mostly. She was really, really good at speed we tried to we always tried to me and my sisters tried to always beat her um as we got older we started to but you know she would whoop us pretty much (laughs) when we were younger so well what Um, position did you play in baseball uh when i was uh, when i was younger i played like first and and third and i was a pitcher as well um i don't mean to brag but i was pretty good (laughs) when i was younger um, and actually, I know we'll talk about high school, but I actually played in high school as well as a pitcher. Um, and like I said, I, I always thought I'd be a baseball player in college, but you know, my, 
I actually had a pitching coach when I was younger who always told me uh, my size would eventually catch up to me and not not allow me to be be a pitcher anymore and uh he turned out to be correct so <laughs> that kind of ruined my baseball career well that's what but, i was gonna ask were you always kind of a big kid yeah yeah i was i was always you know my mom would tell you the story of there was times when we were at youth tournaments and you know parents and coaches would ask for birth certificates and whatever because <laughs> they they didn't believe that i was you know 12 or 11 or whatever the case may be so well, I mean, you yeah. seem like a guy, and I, I, you know, did a little research. I knew you'd played baseball. You seem like a guy who could probably hit a baseball a long ways. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> kind of my thing back in the day. I will, I did enjoy. I loved baseball. I, you know, I played it all through all through high school as well. That was kind of my main sport um, growing up. Well, um, let's let's talk about high school. I mean, talk you know baseball, football. I mean. what what uh so baseball was was always your first love then yeah baseball was always always what i wanted to do um i started started playing baseball when i was i mean before i started playing football for sure that was just always kind of my first love um for sports and i um in high school i i ended up getting the opportunity to pitch for the varsity team as a sophomore and, uh, you know, we made it to the playoffs and I actually, uh, started the sub state final game and we lost because of me. So that always kind of sat, sat with me and, um, it's kind of been a motivator just remembering that feeling of, you know, losing that game for, for those seniors, you know, being a sophomore and it kind of, you know, felt bad, um, and in the seniors, you know, careers, whatever, um, but no, yeah, baseball has always been always been something I've enjoyed. Um, I wish I had the time to play in like a, you know, not old man's league, but you know what I'm <laughs> like a slow pitch type thing. I, that's always kind of something I would want to do. What What did you throw as a pitcher? I mean, were you were you a heat guy, or did you have did you have some off speed stuff, breaking ball? What What was your What was your go to yeah. pitch? Uh, honestly, just the heater. I mean, I, I tried to develop a, like a more of a 12, six curveball. Um, never really got great at it. Um, I threw like a circle change as well. Um, which, you know, was decent Threw it mostly to lefties. Um, but yeah, no, just kind of bring the heater. I'd like to go in on the righties with like a two seam fastball, or I guess that would have been, yeah. in on the righties, um, kind of a two-seamer almost like a cutter but like opposite mm -hmm. um but yeah mostly just the heaters All right, i think interesting. i i think i topped out at um the hardest i ever threw was just one time was like 88 and but i could not do that consistently but that must have just been a great day <laughs> well well was there before we get into kind of the football i mean was there as as you were getting older, I mean, was there a point where you started to prioritize, I guess, football over baseball, or did did you ever? I mean, were, were there plans to maybe play um, after high school, baseball wise? Yeah, so I never really. I mean, I did a couple um, PBR showcases. I'm sure you 
Um, you said you researched. I'm sure you saw that picture from the PBR showcase on online. Um, I did a couple of those trying to get some looks from colleges, um, but you know nothing really came about. Um, and then my my junior year was when I kind of that was when my body kind of started catching up to me, and I I wasn't nearly as good as I was my sophomore year, and I, that was when I decided to to focus on on football and um, you know in Iowa it's different with, um, high school sports. You know, we played, we'd play in the summer, um, for high school baseball. So I, I ended up not playing my senior year in the summer. And I went to, um, went to a bunch of camps to, you know, to try to get recruited for football. Um, I actually came to the Northwest camp, um, which was cool. Um, but yeah, no, I never got any, any really interest in baseball, and then my junior year was when I decided football was what I wanted to do. So, and were you a lineman in high school? Yeah. So my freshman year, I played tackle because I was like the the biggest person. And then, you know, as we moved along, um, guys started catching up size wise, and um, you know, even getting taller than me and and whatnot. And I I moved to guard my sophomore year, and I played guard. Um, sophomore junior and senior year and so um, oh go ahead no i was just gonna say i hadn't i hadn't played center since uh eighth grade so interesting well we'll get to that yeah. that's interesting i did not know that so do you have any favorite games or memories from from high school yeah definitely um i would say my my senior year our rival um was valley who you know, believe it or not, we, we actually shared a stadium with them, um, with our rival high school, which was like, it was maybe five minutes away. Um, but our senior year, actually, let me take it back to junior year. We lost to them, um, really close game. And then our senior year, we absolutely destroyed them. So that was, that was one of my favorites. And then obviously, um, with the playoffs in Iowa, we, we go up to the Unidome, those games are always super cool, um, super loud in there, you know, um, big crowds. I would probably say the state championship and my senior year was probably my favorite game besides beating Valley, obviously. <laughs> that, <laughs> right. was always, that was always the goal. So at what point or what was the recruiting process like for you? in high school before, before it was, you know, before you decided to come to Northwest, what, what different schools were looking at you and what kind of schools were you considering before you decided to come to Northwest? Yeah. So I got a lot of um, interest from, you know, NAI division three, um, really the only division two schools that were talking to me at the time were uh, Mankato and central Missouri. Um, Northwest was on that they were one of the last schools to talk to recruit me um you know I'd never even heard never even heard of Northwest until um my head coach Tom Wilson kind of mentioned it to me um and then coach Cunningham came and visited me at school one day but other than that I had Iowa State was like kind of a walk-on deal um you know they weren't very interested it was, you know, they'd invite me to games and 
that was cool. The whole, the whole process was cool. Um, it got a little frustrating at times, obviously with, you know, you want, you want people to want you more and, um, but no, just, you know, it was down to basically Mankato, um, UCM and Northwest. And once I, once I took my visit here, I, I immediately knew this is where I wanted to be. Awesome. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. Who, who was your, uh, who's your host for your visit? Oh, it was Gabe Bouts. Nice. <laughs> yeah, who who I didn't think, you know, at the time that I would, you know, he was one of my best friends before he left. So I still keep in touch with Gabe and Tanner as well. So, um, you know, who would have thought? Right. <laughs> That's funny. So, so what was it? I mean, okay, well, let's talk about this progression to center. Um, was this something that you knew was maybe a possibility when you were coming in? Did this develop during your red shirt year, how, how did that all come about from you being a guard and now you're going to play center in college football, something you hadn't done since junior high? Yeah, I really, I came in as a guard. I, you know, when my red shirt year, I actually, um, spent on the scout team and I was kind of a guard and I, you know, we had some injuries to where I even had to play tackle on scout team. So, um, I don't know if you remember Austin Eskew. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Had to, you know, try to stop him somehow as a, you know, freshman, um, which, you know, I always think back and just think about how much that just, you know, developed me as a player going up against him and, you know, Big Sam my freshman year, just, you know, those different guys. But, no, I really – it was the the summer going into 2019 season – um, coach Cunningham had mentioned maybe getting some center reps in the fall. Um, so I just started to work at it, started working on my snapping and, you know, I know most people probably think it's, it's not that hard to, you know, snap the ball, but you know, it, it takes some time to work at it. You got to get a feel for it. Um, it's definitely a different, different, um, thought process to, you know, being in the middle, you're kind of making all the, all the calls and, um, kind of have to be the leader and the vocal guy of the group um, and, and basically know what everyone's supposed to be doing. You know, um, I have the ability to see, you know, flip protections and all that good stuff. You know, me and the quarterback try to be on the same page. Um, but no, yeah, I just, that summer I, I started working at it, developed into it. Um, you know, Coach Cunningham gave me a chance 2019 gave me my first start. Um, definitely nerve wracking. I will say, <laughs> um, you know, going down to play at, at Mo West or, you know, who was basically our biggest rival. And, um, but no, yeah, I just didn't think I'd ever play center again, but here I am. Yeah, here you are. That's, that's kind of funny. So in, so I'm, I'm guessing that that red shirt year, I talked to a lot of guys about that, which is kind of a thing, you know, at, at Northwest for 99% of the guys, you know, right. what, what was that year like you? I mean, for you, I mean, obviously you're on the scout team, but was it, did, did you build a lot of relationships and things? I mean, did, did Joe Q really put you through it? Did he put you like on a seafood diet and, and, and keep you in the weight room a lot that season or. Yeah. Yeah. We would, um, we would have three days, three days a week of lifting, um, for just the, you know, true freshmen who weren't gonna, you know, travel or dress or anything like that, you know, basically the red shirt guys. 
Um, we would have lifting three days and then every Friday morning we would have conditioning, um, with Joe and yeah, it was basically just, you know, getting us acclimated and, you know, learning the Bearcat way and, um, trying to put on weight, you know, getting stronger, um, getting us ready for, you know, the opportunity to play in 2019, you know, our first real available year, um, so to speak. So yeah, it was a lot of time spent with Joe. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, also building relationships. I know I was, I was pretty good friends with a lot of the, a lot of the seniors that year. Um, in 2019, you know, I, I just, you know, I got to build a pretty good relationship with a lot of those guys, which was really nice. And I, you know, I still keep in touch with a lot of them, you know, still to this day. So, um, you know, those things are, those things are always cool to me to, to always, you know, have those relationships, um, even when they do, when they left and, you know, still, still carrying them out now, um, over the break, actually 4th of July break, I actually hung out with a lot of those guys down at the Lake of the Ozarks. So Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, well, and how did those upperclassmen help bring you along? Because redshirt freshmen, specifically offensive linemen, we don't see a ton. I think we might see maybe a couple, you know, a few guys in in the rotation this year. But you know, kind of when you did it, it wasn't necessarily guys in the rotation, let alone starters. I mean, how did those older guys kind of help you help you along through that through that season and that process? Yeah, you know, it was mostly just um, getting in the film room, really, just kind of picking up on you know, the little things like tendencies and, um, you know, if, if, the uh, you know, outside corner is capped by a safety, you know, that might, might likely be a, you know, he's blitzing, you know, just those little things are like, if the D lineman's hands switch and his stance, if he's going to be slanting or, you know, just, just those little details, um, you know, obviously in, in getting extra work in on the field, um, it was really Tanner and Gabe um, really kind of helped shape me and, you know, work with me. And uh, it really, you know, took me under their wing. Um, you know, they knew I was just a young guy and didn't, didn't really know, know my way yet. And, uh, but they, they really helped, helped a lot um, with just those little detail type things. So, well, and how do you now that you're obviously a captain and everything, how do you kind of take some of those things and then in turn, you know, do the same thing, kind of teach those, those younger guys? Yeah, it's just, I, it's similar. It's just, you know, getting in the film room, we've been meeting, you know, a couple times a week in the morning, just us players, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of inexperience on the line, as everyone knows, um, just helping those guys pick up on those tendencies and, um, you know, keeping your eyes up to alert, you know, any type of blitz or, you know, line movement that, that you might see, you can just pick up on that stuff. Um, you know, as you go and throughout the game. So. Okay. Well, I got one more thing before we move on to the pick six here is, uh, um, why number 60? Was there any, was that your, was that your number before? Was that what was available? And, you know, when you got here, is there any significance to number 60? No, not really. That was just kind of, uh, every, every, um, going into the season, we, um, our equipment guy, we, we go in and do our equipment and, you know, try on and we get to pick our numbers. And that was kind of, 
the only option because I was one of the last to get to pick my number that year because I was a freshman. So that was just kind of the best option that I had, really. And that, it just stuck. <laughs> I didn't really want to change it this year or last year. So. All right. Fair enough. Well, all right. Well, I got the pick six for you. Just kind of six fun little questions that uh, are, are you ready? Are you ready, Mitch? Yeah, of course. <laughs> all right. First question is, do you have any, are you a superstitious guy? Do you have like uh, any habits or rituals or things that you have to run through before, before the game? Um, yeah, honestly, I like when I'm putting on, um, my shoes and my knee braces, I always have to put the left one on first. I don't know why. It's just kind of always been what I do. It's not really, I don't know if it's really a superstition. It's just kind of like a habit, I guess. I don't know why. It sounds weird, but that's kind of what I do. All right. All right. Second question. I ask a lot of guys, you know, some of those skill position guys, who's the fastest, this, that, who's the slowest offensive lineman? <laughs> The slowest <laughs> offensive lineman. Oh man, this is it's gonna hurt his feelings, but I'm gonna have to say my roommate Seth, <laughs> Seth Sagunas. It might hurt his feelings, but hey, it's just the truth, <laughs> right? Hey, that's right. All right, so this bear with me on this one. This is this is an extra goofy question. All right, so you're on American Idol, and okay. you get one song to just go crazy, belt it out. And, and really, what's the song you pick? Oh, that's really tough. Um, oh, man. A lot of good songs. Oh, I just was listening to one in the locker room, too, and I can't remember. Probably. Um, or you can go artist if you don't want to narrow it, narrow it down to a specific yeah. song. I'm I'm a big Luke Combs guy. I was trying to think of kind of my favorite. I don't I listen I just listen to him on repeat sometimes. All right. So kind of along those same yeah. lines. We'll we'll go with that. I'm I'm good with that. Um okay. <laughs> fourth question here on the pick six. If if you could have any concert at Northwest, any artist come, who would it be? Any artist. Um Probably, does it have to be alive? Yes. Yeah, let's go with alive. So okay. keep it um, semi-realistic. Yeah, realistic. <laughs> okay. Um, I actually, I would love to have George Strait come. I actually, I went to his concert a few weeks ago, but it was really good. So I would love to have him come play for the school. Nice, nice. All right. Fifth question on the pick six. So we fast forward 10 years and you're famous, but it's not because of football. What would you be famous for? Oh, a shoe developer. Shoe, yeah, shoe designer. All right. Is for that sure. something you like I to do? I love shoes. Yeah, okay. I love shoes. Nice, nice. All right. Last question on the pick six. Who is your least favorite player to go up against in practice? least favorite uh well i'd have to say zach just because <laughs> he's good mm -hmm. if it was his last year it'd definitely be sam roberts yeah but yeah i'd say zach um just because he's you know big and strong and also quick has some quick moves so all right perfect definitely zach. well mitch that's all i've got for you I, I appreciate you taking some time out and and putting up with my goofy questions and uh uh 
look forward to seeing what you guys are going to do this season and wish you all the best. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. That was, that was fun. Hey, Bearcat fans, this is Mel Churchman, former Bearcat coach. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green. It's time to go to the other sideline and talk some Lincoln Blue Tigers. And joining me now, the beat writer for the Jefferson City Tribune, it's Trevor Hahn, who also be on a podcast as well, Goal Lines. Uh, Trevor, man, thanks so much for, uh, for coming on and, and chatting with me about Lincoln. Man, thanks for having me. You know, I, I'm new to this beat, so uh, a lot of this MIAA football stuff is still new to me. But this will be the first time I'm watching them in person on Saturday. And there's quite a bit of excitement in Jeff City around this Lincoln uh, football program. I mean, well, no, go no. ahead. I, I was going to ask you about Coach Gales because it seemed that has one of the things that seemed like it kind of seemed like that around Media Day and, and him obviously coming from Arkansas Pine Bluff, bringing some players with him. I mean, it seems like there is some more excitement around the program than what we've usually seen. I mean, yeah, he came in and the first thing he said was this roster is too small. They they ended last season with 62 players. Not 100% sure what they started with, but yeah, 62 players for a college football program is just never going to be enough or anywhere close to enough. So he actually did a pretty good job on the recruiting trail. He tapped into his background, brought some kids from Pine Bluff and, and other areas that he's been an assistant at. And I mean, he's got this roster up over 110 people. So at least they can deal with the depth of the MIAA. It's just getting the top end of that roster to be as talented as the rest of the league. Yeah, well, and we know it's tough. I mean, I've talked about it on here about Lincoln in the past, about just the the lack of funding from the university. I don't blame the coaching staff or the kids on the football team or anything like that. But I know, you know, that's that's definitely a challenge. So, I mean, probably the first step to all of that is getting the community and, and maybe the university kind of excited about the football program again. Yeah, and they, and they did uh, pull together some NIL money for uh, the football program and just the question now is whether that's going to be a one-time thing or if that's going to be a yearly thing, but uh, they did take at least one step in the right direction of funding wise for this program, because yeah, they are a uh, much further down in the funding program than, than the rest of this conference. Well, and let's talk about kind of the offense. I mean, that was probably where Lincoln, you know, struggled the most. I mean, really all, all both sides of the ball, but you know, he brings in Xavier Vaughn, a transfer quarterback and Omar Allen, the running back, both from, from Pine Bluff that he knows, knows really well. And what, um, I'll be honest, like I haven't really got a chance to, to see them. It seems like maybe, you know, looking at the, at the play calling and box scores and things, maybe they want to throw the football a little bit more. Do you know what coach Gales is kind of going for? Um, offensively? So I, the biggest struggle with the Lincoln program has been their offensive line for quite some time. So running the football is tough and all, it, it's going to be tough for them this year. So yeah, they, they like quick hitters in the passing game. Uh, Xavier Vaughn's a six, six athletic kid. So they, they run a lot of read options with him keeping the ball and, and just uh, underneath routes to Samuel and goalie and, and Charles Johnson were the big things last week and screen passes to Omar Allen. But they, they don't see themselves as a team that's going to take the top off of many defenses. So they want to have long sustained drives to get their defenses rest against these better teams like Washburn last week. And, and of course, Northwest this week, but the problem they ran into last week was they, they made the red zone, made it into the red zone four separate times and only came away with three points. They had two turnovers down there. So, 
I mean, they moved the ball decent. They just got to find a way to finish some drives. And well, and I mean, forty-five to three. Yeah, it was thirty-one to three at halftime. But I mean, you know, we've seen scores in the sixties and seventies and things against Lincoln. I mean, th- that I'll, I'll be honest. Like, kind of when I saw that score, I was like, okay, well, that seems like a little bit closer game. I mean, yes, I know it's a it's a six touchdown game, um, you know, but but it's it seemed like maybe um, you know there's there's reason you know i mean obviously on the defensive side of the ball you know zion thomas king you know he's he's uh, he was at media day jaylon mosley i think is is one of the best linebackers in the miaa that people don't know about maybe maybe haven't haven't really heard of him um but it seems like yeah i think you're right that's probably a big thing keeping the defense off the field and giving them as much rest uh, rest as possible if if lincoln's going to be as successful as they want to be this season yeah, and obviously there's no such thing as moral victories, but I was talking on our podcast last week. It's if you keep these games close against or at least relatively close against these uh top tier teams of the conference, like you have to walk away pretty happy with that. And I mean the thing that helped them a lot last week is they won the time of possession battle. Um I mean, a little bit has to go to the thanks of Washburn getting a lot of big plays in their passing game, but like that like I said, they they were getting long, sustained drives. It wasn't just three and out, get the ball right back to Washburn, watch them go down the field and score like it might have been in the past. So, I mean, there, there was improvement, but there's going to have to be a lot more, obviously. Yeah, well, and we did see, you know, we talked about Xavier Vaughn. I mean, there was more quarterbacks than that. Zamar Brake, who got a lot of... Um, you know, playing time. He kind of was the guy last year, got a little bit of time, three different quarterbacks ended up playing. But I mean, is it, um, was that kind of after it got it out of hand? And I mean, is Xavier Vaughn the guy going forward? No. There was a quarterback competition for a while in preseason, but I think everybody around the program kind of expected it to be Xavier Vaughn. He was the transfer. Um, he's kind of the, the bright, flashy new toy. But yeah, they, they did get some more break and Nathan Valencia some work there in the second half after the game was kind of already decided. Um, neither of them really did anything eye-popping to kind of separate themselves and and maybe start another quarterback controversy. I'm talking to Coach Gales tomorrow, and that's going to be one of the questions I ask him. But I would expect it's still Xavier Vaughn, at least to start on Saturday. Sure. Well, and, and looking at a game like this, right, against Northwest, typically, you know, we haven't seen um, these games be be close in the past. And, I mean, I think from, you know, we were kind of talking a little bit before we started recording. I mean, you know, talking about what Northwest is looking for, I think the Bearcats are looking for, you know, by halftime, you know, start the third quarter with, um, you know, with, with you know, the second and third string guys playing. What, you know, realistically, what do you think would be a successful game not necessarily from coach gales but from your perspective for the blue tigers what do you think is would be um you know something they could build off of and and a a positive for them with how this game turns out i I would really like to see them run the ball successfully just a little bit and i mean the big thing has got to be they got to finish some drives because it it doesn't matter how how far you move the ball or how long you hold on to the ball if you're not putting six points on the board when you're on offense, it's just not a winning formula ever. So if you could start building up, especially against a really good Northwest team, if you get a couple touchdown drives there in the first half, maybe keep Northwest uncomfortable for a little bit longer than they want to, you still have to walk away feeling pretty good at, at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, I kind of backtrack a minute. I wanted to talk about this. You mentioned the offensive line. I've noticed, you know, just as I look through the roster, it seems like the line is bigger 
than they've been in the past. A lot of guys, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 320, you know, kind of like what you would like to see in the MIAA. I mean, is is was that one of the keys, one of the things that, that Coach Gales really wanted to work on? I mean, obviously in the MIAA, if you're going to be successful, you look at the best teams and they're successful on, you know, the line on both sides is, is kind of the big key. Yeah, 100%. That was something he came in and wa- just watching film from last year's team, he knew he had to come in and try and fix. And uh, what we've talked about a lot on our podcast is how hard it is to get offensive linemen to a program like Lincoln because those top Division One programs are going to stockpile as many linemen as they can. And then just further down the line and down the line, and then you get to the, the Division Two level and the top teams like Northwest and so on and so forth are going to do the same. So you really don't have much to choose from once you get to the stage where Lincoln is. But, I mean, they – they brought in a center in Tommy Medellin that they really, really like. Uh, they call him the quarterback of that front line. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they, they do have a couple guys returning on that front, but it's it's a lot of new faces. And through one week, it wasn't fantastic, but it was definitely better. Well, and I mean, from what you've seen, obviously – it's a week, right? So, so I always, uh, you know, kind of, kind of the thing when, when, you know, I'm evaluating Northwest or evaluating other teams that may, you know, like a, like a Nebraska Kearney or Pitt that maybe people were expecting to have bigger margins of victory in week one, or even, even maybe Washburn versus Lincoln. I don't know. Like what were you, as you, as you watch film and things and, and are looking at the team, I mean, does this team look like it's a better Lincoln team than in 2021? I definitely think they've they've made an improvement just simply from the fact that they can now have sub in rotations like the rest of the teams do Um, with that smaller roster last year. They just had to keep the same guys on the field. And by the time that third or fourth quarter rolled around, those guys are just exhausted and it's just a losing game at that point. If you're dealing with fresh bodies on the other side and you have guys that are gasping for air every single play, like especially if you are a lesser talented team, that's only going to make the margin of uh, defeat even bigger. So, I mean, f- first week was positive. There, there definitely is some takeaways. Um, they aren't going to tell me that tomorrow when I talk to the team. But, I mean, at, le- at least from my stance, I, I did not walk away from watching that game and be like, this is going to be a horrible season. All right. Perfect. Well, well, Trevor, if people want to check out your podcast and want to find out more about Lincoln, um, you know, t- t- tell me a little bit about it and kind of where where we can find it at. Yeah. So for the Jeff City News Tribune that I work for, we do a podcast called Mid-Missouri Goal Lines. It's hosted by Tony Hawley. Uh, we do it for each of the high schools we cover every Friday. And then we have a Missouri Tigers podcast and a Lincoln podcast that come out on game days for college football. Um, I think it's a lot like this. We, we just roll through like what happened last week. Uh, we preview the game that's uh, upcoming and, uh, do a little score predictions and just talk about, uh, we normally have a clip from the coach, uh, talking about the team. So it's just a little, little insight, uh, into mid Missouri football. All right. Perfect. Well, Trevor, I sure appreciate you taking some time out of your week to chat with me and, and, um, wish, wish you the best of luck, but not, not too much luck, uh, to Lincoln, (laughs) maybe, maybe wish Lincoln the best of luck after this week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me on. And I, I definitely enjoyed my time.
Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. It's time for the final segment of the episode. You know it as the Bearcats, according to Eli. Eli, buddy, are you uh, how how you feeling about yourself after last week? Um, I'm feeling good. Yeah. Well, let, let's kind of go over the games from last week and, uh, and kind of get your thoughts, and then of course we'll go over our predictions. Somebody was six and zero, by the way, last week. <clears throat> it wasn't you. Um, okay, so let's go Washburn against Lincoln. Washburn wins 45-3. to Kellen Simonsick in his um, debut as the team as his. He had a, couple, a start or two last season, of course, beat the Bearcats in, in relief. He threw for 351 yards, three touchdowns. James Letcher Jr., who was on my D2 uh, football fantasy, uh, fantasy football team, had 177 yards and a touchdown. It was 31-3 at half. It was pretty much over by then. Um, 585 yards of total offense for Washburn. Eli, we were a little high on our scores. I picked 66-14 Washburn. You had 67-6, and it was 45-3. I'm a little bit surprised that Washburn didn't roll 60 up on Lincoln, but it was a good start, right? We're, we're both uh, 1-0. Yeah. So you feeling feeling pretty good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to beat you this time. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's go... Um, I'm, I'm going to save the game that we differed until the end here. Let's uh, let's go Pitt UCM down at the jungle. Pitt with a 21-10 victory. Uh, they outgained UCM 466 yards to 212. Pitt, though, was 0 for 2 in the red zone. Their scoring drives were seven plays, two plays, and a single play. Lots of passing yards. They only ran for 79 yards. Chad Dodson, 387 yards, three touchdowns for the Gorillas, who have a tall task this week to go to Kearney, Nebraska. UCM, though, really struggled on offense, didn't didn't do a whole lot. That late touchdown, it maybe was a little bit closer. Um, but again, these week one games, we see teams kind of being rusty. Uh, Eli, you, you were closer, I think, with your score. You had 23-3 to pit. I had 35-17 pit. I thought maybe there was going to be a little more scoring. And uh, 21-10. So, thoughts? Uh, I was had a way better score than you. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe not way better. I had an extra extra score to there for each team, but that's just for bragging rights. We're, yeah, I get bragging rights. <laughs> you get bragging rights on that one. Um, well, let's talk Emporia at home against Northeastern State. They won that game 42-17. Braden Gleason, 312 yards, three touchdowns. He ran for another. He passed to 11 different receivers. And a pretty comprehensive victory for Emporia. Um, I had a, I, I had forty nine ten was my predicted score. You were twenty four seven, and so uh, yeah, looks like I get the bragging rights on that one. Okay, okay, I'll give you those bragging rights. <laughs> uh, Nebraska Carney and played in Joplin, Missouri Southern. I was a little bit off on this score. It was twenty four seven and. And T.J. Davis only 3-for-10 passing, 44 yards and an interception. He did run for 129 yards, and uh, Carney ran for 331 on the ground. Only nine first downs and 170, 187 total yards for Missouri Southern. Derry Swanson, though, the All-American safety for uh, for the Lopers, had a pick six in the game. Really, both offenses struggled a lot. Southern, their only score was, uh, was on a... Uh, uh, after an interception that I think they took over in the red zone. So uh, you were you just about nailed this one, buddy. You had 28-7, Carney. I had 35-24. I thought there was going to be more scoring this week one. There was definitely not. So I was a little high on just about all my scores. But Now 
I have bragging you, rights. You get the bragging rights on that one. I think overall you probably picked the scores closer, except for this game. Missouri Western 35 to nothing over Central Oklahoma. I don't know who saw that. I picked Western. I was one of the few people in the forum to actually do that. I think, you know, there's the uh, Adam Doral, uh, Doral effect. Well, maybe not. There was a couple people, though, that did pick UCO. But uh, I think, you know, we all thought AD would have that offense humming. No, just uh, 21 of 38 were UCO quarterbacks for only 98 yards passing. Western had 506 yards of total offense. Reagan Jones, the MIAA Offensive Player of the Week, 171 passing yards, 107 rushing, and three touchdowns. Um, limited UCO to only 157 yards of total offense. You picked <clears throat> UCO, Mr. Eli, 24-14. I had Western, but 28-17. Again, I thought overall there was going to be a lot more scoring this week than there was. So there's your loss. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm gonna tie it up. <laughs> You're gonna, so you, so you think? Okay, well, well, let's see. Finally, of course, our Bearcats, Northwest, with a 33-19 victory. Um, we both had the Bearcats. They they scored more points than both of us thought. I had 24-13. You had 24-7. I really like that number. 24 and you did like 24 to 7 a lot last week but anyway we were there we were at the bearcat game what did you uh what did you think about the bearcats we were down 12 7 midway through the second quarter and then the bearcats scored a bunch of points but overall what are your uh, thoughts from the game towards the end the offense was not doing good at all they were forcing defense to go out like 75 times and i feel bad for the defense yeah yeah to in the fourth quarter that's for sure it looked like the game was over and then uh, Hayes had some drives. We failed to pick up some first downs. But overall, a two-touchdown win, right, for the Bearcats. Uh, Zach Howard, number 94, getting to do the the belly shake, the truffle shuffle. He had three sacks. That was that was pretty fun, right? Yep. Yep, I think we did good overall. All right, perfect. Well, let's talk about this week's games. We're going to start with the Thursday games first, of course. So we'll end with the Bearcats. Missouri Western travels to Fort Hayes. This is, there, I think, there's a lot trickier games this week. I think the, um, you know, the Western UCO game was maybe the only coin flip game. It didn't end up being a close game at all, but um, that was the the um, game where I think maybe there were difference. We might have some, a lot different picks this week, Eli. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure. There's a couple of different games that I'm thinking, but Missouri Western at Hayes. I think Hayes is going to go out. To, they, it's a tough place to travel and play. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Hayes, twenty four, twenty one. I'm I am high on the Tigers, and uh, w I don't know. We'll see how that goes. What What are you thinking? Are you gonna go against me and take Missouri Western? Yeah, I think Missouri Western. They had probably the most impressive performance of anybody um, last week against an opponent that maybe we didn't necessarily think that they would blow out. Okay, well you're gonna take Mo West. What do you? Uh, what are you predicting for a score? Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go with 24 to 32. You're giving the low score first. I tell you what, it really messes me up when I write these, buddy. 32, 24. Maybe so. This, I think this, even though Western played as well as they did on defense last week, I think this has the um, 
best chance to be the shootout of the week. So even though I didn't necessarily pick a high score, I think it could be. All right, Emporia goes down to Edmond to take on Central Oklahoma, who they definitely did not start off uh, the way they would have liked to for uh, for Coach Doral down there. Uh, I'm picking Emporia 35-16 over UCO. I think UCO will account themselves a little bit better. They're at home. I think AD makes some adjustments, and I think this team will be better at the end of the season than they are now. But I don't think they're going to beat Emporia. Yeah. What are you thinking? I'm going with Emporia. Okay. What are you What are you going to go for a score? I'm going to take a score of 34 to 7. I really like them. Oh, big. I like Emporia, too. You know me. I'm, I'm really high on them and, uh, and Hayes more than maybe some people are. And Pitt, but we'll get to that one in a second. The third of the Thursday games, Washburn going to Warrensburg to take on Central Missouri. I think that's going to be a little bit closer. I was a little bit surprised that uh, that UCM kept it as close against Pitt. I think maybe that wasn't as close of a game as the score indicated, but I think maybe Central plays a little bit better this week. I, think, I still think 31-21 Washburn, though, going with the Ichabods in this one. What are you thinking, Eli? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Washburn. Good decision. What do you think for a score? 24-14. All right. Last of the Thursday games, and probably the game of the week for everybody, is Pitt at Kearney. Now, I went against everyone else in this week's forum. I picked Pitt. I picked them second in my MIAA preseason media poll. I am really high on Pittsburgh State. I don't love. I don't love what happened after last week, but I'm I'm riding or dying with uh, with Pitt until they start losing. I think though it'll be a low scoring game. It was a defensive battle really for for both teams. Neither offense really did what they wanted to do last week. I'm going to go Pitt twenty to seventeen over Carney. I have a feeling you're going to take Nebraska Carney though. What who you t- who you taking? I was. Thought earlier, I was thinking about what if two of the really good teams went against each other, and now two of the really good teams are going against each other. Mm-hmm. Nebraska Carney was not good against us last year. That's true, and Pitt did play us our toughest game mm-hmm. that we've won anyway. They were really good. I think, oh, I think I'm going with Pittsburgh. Really? All right. What do you mm-hmm. think for a score then? I think it's going to be a really close game. 24-23. Ooh, a one-point victory. I'm surprised. I was almost sure that you were going to pick Nebraska Carney. Literally everyone else in the uh, in the forum picked them this week. Uh, but they know I'm high on Pitt, so we'll see. I'll either look like a genius or an idiot um, after uh, <laughs> after this, uh, after well, on, on Friday, actually. So hey. we'll see. We'll look like idiots together. Hey, that's the, yep, that fits. So, all right, let's go to our Saturday games. We'll save the Bearcats for last, which means Missouri Southern at Northeastern State. I don't know. I think Southern is a better team than them, but I was not impressed with Missouri Southern's offense against Nebraska Kearney's defense last week. I think Northeastern State's going to struggle. I'm going to go a low-scoring defensive game, 17-7 Missouri Southern in this one and Northeastern state did beat Southern last year, but that was just kind of one of those weird games. What do you think? Are you going to go 
with Southern? Northeastern. You you're going with Northeastern State. Oh, my goodness. That's, that would be a big upset. What do you think for a score? Okay, give me a second. It's an important decision here. It takes time and careful consideration. I feel like I need to cue the Jeopardy theme music here, <laughs> which I know doesn't probably mean anything to you, but... 19 to 14. Okay. Fair enough. Wow. Eli going for the big upset. All right. Then we get finally the main event, Northwest at Lincoln in Jeff City. We will be sitting this one out, watching this uh, watching this one on the MIAA network. I think I picked about the lowest Northwest score of anybody this week. I mean, I don't think it's going to be close. I think 59-3. I think the goal is to uh, have all of the uh, – have all the backups, maybe third stringers playing in the in the third quarter. So 59-3, are you going to go? How many do you think the Bearcats are going to score? I think I'm going to pick Lincoln. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to say, I don't know, 83 to nothing. That's impressive. The record that the Bearcats have scored is 86. That was against Southwest Baptist, 86-13. Oh, boy, and I forgot. I think it was 07. I'm going to be wrong, and somebody's going to correct me on that. I don't remember the... I... It might have, it might have been like 04. I, he, I think our defense... Our defensive is really, really good, and I think our offense will be better this game, hopefully. Yeah. Well, I think so. I think Lincoln, this is the perfect game for a follow-up from last week. There's definitely things to work on for the Bearcats. I think this is the perfect recipe for that. I went back and forth whether or not I was going to predict a shutout. I think that's what people are saying. Heck, in the game notes this week, they talked about how many shutouts the Rich Wright uh, Bearcats have gotten, which I think it's nine. And so this could be number 10. I don't know. I think Lincoln will score when you get, you know, third and fourth stringers in at some point in the game. Um, I th But I don't know. We could very well, if we're going to get a shutout, I mean, this would seem to be the logical choice. How would you feel if Lincoln won? That's impossible. I mean, nothing's impossible, but this is literally impossible. How would you feel, though? <laughs> it, I don't know. It would be, it would be. Horrible and devastating and awful. I think if the starters have to play beyond halftime, that's probably a failure. And I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. How would you feel if Lincoln won? I would feel disappointed in the team. Yeah. Would you cry? Yes. I would just cry myself to sleep for the rest of my life. <laughs> for the rest of just your life. One loss. Oh. All right, buddy. Well, there we go. Those that's uh, those are our predictions. We'll see. Uh, we we do have just one difference. I'm surprised, man. I really thought you were going to pick Nebraska Kearney, but we will. Uh, we have two. We got the first one a difference, and then we got one of the last. Oh yeah, Northeastern State. That's right. That's the shocker, dude. I don't think Northeastern State's going to win. They could. I just don't think they will. Yeah, but Hayes Missouri Western. I think that's a coin flip game. So I would not be shocked if if you have one up on me. Um, next week. All right. Well, uh, here's we wrap up, buddy. What it? Uh, what? What do you? What do you got to say? What are we going to end on? I don't know. I hope that we can do this. 
And yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. There he is, the soon-to-be 11-year-old Eli. The Bearcats, according to Eli, although it could almost be the MIAA, according to Eli, uh, at this point, he's getting better. He's getting better on his predictions and things, and and will uh, he'll he'll be pretty familiar here in a couple of weeks with all the MIAA teams. Who knows? You know, I've got some nice MIAA representation on my D2 football uh, fantasy team. James Letcher Jr. from Washburn had uh, had a great week for me last week couple of players i did not play as well manny ramsey's my receiver from hayes i'm not gonna play him against the bearcats he did did have a nice week but um i'm I'm not risking it i'm superstitious like that i'm a fan first and then fantasy football comes but i did score the most points in the league i'm the new guy uh, which is kind of cool but um you're darn right i'm gonna brag about it k ferg who is uh you know if you know the uh d2 um Fantasy or the D two show on on Saturday nights on YouTube, Facebook, D two football.com. He's one of the regulars on there, the CIAA columnist for uh, D two football.com. But I gotta brag a little bit for that. So we'll see how this week goes. I don't know. I may not win another game this season, but I did score the most points. And as the new guy, yeah, I'm uh, gonna hang my hat on that and brag about it as long as I can. Um also, if you want to kind of get caught up in the MIAA and this week, you, I would encourage you to go to d2football.com. Check out Devin Albertson, the MIAA columnist, who I will have on later this season. And I uh, kind of wanted to streamline things a little bit, but we'll catch up with him at least a couple of times throughout this season as well. He always does a great job with his column. My favorite thing is is he added um, talking about uh, the uniforms, and he is going to grade the uniforms each week this season. And uh, so... So that's pretty fun, and uh, also you can check out his power rankings and all that, and uh, I'm a little bit surprised. I thought he would be with me picking Pitt State over Nebraska Kearney, but T.J. Davis is the man, so I'm, uh, we'll see. I'll, uh, I guess I'll, I'll live or die on that, uh, on that hill with my, with my Pitt State pick. Also, if you've got, uh, you know, if you're heading down to Jeff City and you've already listened to this episode of Bleeding Green and, and you are missing some others, the road trips in the MIAA, the perfect opportunity for you to go back and uh, check out any off-season episodes you may have missed. Some kind of hidden gems that aren't the most listened to episodes is uh, that I, I would encourage you that, that are equally as good as any of the other ones. Sean Bain's episode is great. Sean Paddock's is awesome. Wes Simmons is really good. I mean, they're all great. I love them all, but you know, I am a little bit partial in uh, in that regard as well. But that's a great opportunity to uh, you know. I mentioned last week how the podcast is on Twitter at Bleeding Green Podcast. You can check out the Facebook group of the same name or the website bleedinggreenpodcast.com, and that's a great way to share the podcast. And honestly, that's the best way this thing can grow is by you and uh, you know the word of mouth. And if you know other Bearcat fans that might enjoy it, whether they're at the games every week or or they've moved away and and uh, kind of lost touch with the Bearcats, it's a, it's a great way. And it's your it's your ninety minutes a week that you can kind of get caught up on the on the Bearcats, especially for folks that have been a fan for a long time. You can check out some of those uh, interview episodes in the off season that were were definitely a lot of fun. But anyway, all of that I appreciate, and of course I just appreciate you listening and making this podcast what it is and making it worth it for me to spend all my time, um, you know, talking, uh, talking some Bearcat football. Also want to give a shout out to the Goff, Zagunas and Winslow families. 
um, some Bearcat offensive linemen there and hung out with them and tailgated a little bit with them before uh, before last week's uh, last week's game on a Thursday night. So uh, always fun to meet meet different families and things, and uh, that's what it's all about. I mean, we are a big family. That's what we say at uh, you know at Northwest, and if you know, you know. But until you know, people really get um, involved and and become a part of it. It's such a difficult thing to explain to people that don't know, that aren't Bearcat fans or that aren't part of the family. But it is a, it's truly a unique thing, not just in the MIAA, not just in Division II, but really to be that connected and feel that much a part of something in college football. I mean, I think that's what makes college football special. But, you know, it's, it's what makes Northwest special. And I don't know, you know, it's, again, it's such a difficult thing to explain but it's why so many of us, so many years later, like yours truly, is just so crazy and uh, and loves his Bearcat so much. I saw a great meme that was kind of floating around about, uh, you know, letting, you know, as the it was it was more in talking about the NFL, but it was about letting your uh, your mood be affected by your team. Yeah, that's we know all about that. You don't think some Saturdays <laughs> have been ruined because the Bearcats didn't win. Yeah, it happens a little less as I get older and get some perspective on things. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely true. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. Thank you to all my guests, Trevor Hahn from the Jefferson City Tribune, of course, John Dykstra from the Maryville Forum, Mitch Goff, Bearcat Center, and, of course, my son Eli as well. Until next week, and as always, go Bearcats! Go Bearcats!